0: Hallelujah. Let's turn to the book of Revelation, chapter 1. What started out to be a summary turned into a summary series, but hopefully just a two-part series, and I think it will be. Like I said, I've tried to just cut it down just to the bare necessity today. Um, so that I can give you my best during a shorter period of time and not wear myself down too much. Revelation chapter 1, verse 11, saying, I am Alpha and Omega, the first and the last. What thou seest... Write in a book and send it unto the seven churches which are in Asia, unto Ephesus and unto Smyrna and unto Pergamos and unto Thyatira and unto Sardis and unto Philadelphia and unto Laodicea. Turning now to verse 19 of the same chapter, Revelation chapter 1, verses 19 and 20. Write the things which thou hast seen, and the things which are, and the things which shall be hereafter. The mystery of the seven stars which thou sawest in my right hand, and the seven golden candlesticks, seven stars are the angels of the seven churches, and the seven candlesticks which thou sawest are the seven churches. So tonight we are in part two of our summary of this very lengthy series of studies, Lessons from the Seven Churches. We began this many, many months ago. It has taken us quite a while to get through it. I trust I'm going to be able to finish it tonight with the help of the Lord. I want you to put your Bibles down and I want you to talk to the Lord right now. I need His touch right now. And uh, I want to deliver the burden of my heart. Let's... Let's talk to the Lord right now. my lips tonight. Anoint my mind, my heart, my spirit. Help me, Lord Jesus. God, I need your help. I need your help. Let's let's talk to him. Let's talk to him. Let's talk to him. Jesus, 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 Jesus. I need, you, I need you, Savior. I need you, Savior. I need you, Savior. I need you, Savior. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. God bless you. You may be seated tonight. If you would just bear with me as I make a few. Marks of review tonight, and I won't spend as much time on review as, as what I have in my notes tonight. I would just encourage everyone who has not been a part of this series from its beginning to go back and listen from the very start. And there is a way on our website that you can go, and if you'll, once this lesson is uploaded to the website, which should be immediately after service tonight, so sometime later tonight, tomorrow, you can actually go to the website and find this lesson, and then it will list series, and you can click on that series. It will be highlighted in blue. You click on the series, and it will bring up all of the lessons in this series. And so you don't have to search through page after page to find the entire series. And I appreciate uh, those who designed the website that way. Brother Jared Hilton, I don't know if he's listening tonight, but I hope they honeymoon quick and get back home. Be nice if they just got to missing home enough that they decided to cut it short and come on back. (laughs) No, I don't want him thinking I really mean that. I want, I want them to enjoy themselves. Um, But brother Hilton and brother uh, brother Josh Santiago, I know, had done a lot of work along these lines as well, and so I'm not sure to whom. Credit is due, but um I'll mention both of them and uh <laughs> he's listening tonight. <laughs> he said they're honeymooning as quickly as possible. <laughs> hallelujah I just know him that's why I want to make sure I'm. Make it clear I'm joking because I know him, and if he thought I really needed him, he'd he'd cut it short and come home. And I know that, and I appreciate that about him. Uh, anyhow, anyhow, I would encourage you to go back and listen to the entire series, but we are going to try to abbreviate tonight some things and. What I want to say that I feel like is most important before I begin tonight is that I want to remind you that from the very beginning I have pointed out that there were many other churches that existed during this time, but the Lord saw fit to choose seven of them. And I believe that the reason why He chose these seven is because These seven, when taken as a whole, give us a complete picture of what a church should and should not be. Because in every church, the Lord either gave words of correction or words of commendation. And to most of the churches, he gave both. Now, to the church of Laodicea, he said nothing positive. And to the church of Philadelphia, he said nothing negative. And and listen to me. It's not an accident that he saved these two churches for last. I don't know if you've thought about that. But the two churches that were diametrically opposite of one another are the two he saved for last. And I don't think that's an accident. I believe everything God does, he does by design and by purpose. He's a meticulous God. He's very much given to minute details. That's why when people try to tell me it doesn't really matter how you get baptized. I'm telling you, you don't understand God. God cares about details. If you don't think He does, go back to the Old Testament and look at the specifics He gave Noah about building the ark. I mean, even to the point of telling him how many windows he could have. What kind of wood he could use. What the dimensions of the boat were going to be. He gave him every detail. When when he told them about building a tabernacle, a place of worship, God gave them dimensions. He told them materials. He gave them every minute detail down to the brass rings. And thank you, Brother Nelson, for the lesson message Sunday night. God is very specific. And so when God picked out seven churches and then he saved for last the one that needed no correction and the one that needed only correction, that's not an accident nor a coincidence. In fact, I'm going to tell you, I don't believe that there are accidents or coincidences with God. Well... I believe everything that God does is done by design. It's done with specific purpose in mind. And so why did He choose these seven? Well, as I've said to you, I believe it's because seven is the number of completion. Now, look, people often say it's God's perfect number. And and I would agree with that if we will define perfect in biblical terms. Not in our modern 21st century terms. Because seven doesn't stand for perfection in the light of flawless. It stands for perfection with the connotation of completion. Of of being totally everything it needs to be. That's what seven is. In fact, uh, let, let, me, let me just throw this out there for your consideration. I'm not into numerology a lot. There are some people that, that get so hung up in Bible numbers that they end up creating false doctrine. I do believe some numbers carry significance. Because there are some numbers you see over and over and over and over. You see the number 12, it generally is a reference to Israel, which was made up of 12 tribes. If You see the number 4, it usually is a reference to the earth, the four corners of the earth, the four winds. And again, I'm not going to make, I'm not going to carry this all the way as far as some folks would carry it. But I will tell you there are two other numbers that are very significant other than the number seven. And first is the number one. Does anybody know what one is all about? That's God. That's God's number. Don't, don't try to say seven is God's number. Seven is the number of completion. But one is God's number. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is He's one. And that one, when, when you read about one, this is why you can't divide God into three persons. In fact, you can't divide Him at all. He is one, and one is God's number. Now, six is another significant number. Six is the number of man. Because man was made on the sixth day. Which, this is just food for thought. All of you prophecy buffs out there who know so much more about prophecy than I ever will. It's interesting that the number for the mark of the beast is 666. When you think in terms of Hebrew mindsets, the Hebrew thought processes, I've pointed out to you that in Hebrew they didn't use bold or all caps or underlines. How did they emphasize something? They repeated it. Now, if they repeated it once, then it was strong emphasis. But if they repeated it twice, it was the ultimate emphasis. If six is the number of man, the mark of the beast is six. Repeated three times. It is man's final attempt to overthrow God. All right, that's about as deep into prophecies I'm going to get. But let's go back and talk about one is the number of God and 6 is the number of man 7 then is the number that represents when god meets with man hallelujah and that's the only way we can ever be perfected that's the only way we can ever be everything god wants us to be we'll never get we'll always fall short you hear me will always fall short of completion and perfection by our efforts alone. But you bring God into the mix. And He takes man and He makes him complete. Well, praise God. And so... And so when we look at these seven churches, we understand that what God is showing us is the picture of a complete church. So if we'll look at the things which God condemned in these churches and avoid those things, and then we'll look at the things that God commended about these churches, and we'll strive for those things. Then that will help us to become the complete or spiritually perfect church. Now again, not flawless. Don't it's so hard for me to use that word because I know that's what's lodged in our minds when we say perfect. But that's not the Bible definition. So when I say the perfect church, let me just tell you, there will never be a flawless church. You know why? Because it's made up of humanity. I don't care where you go, you're going to find people who have problems. You're going to find people who have weaknesses. You're going to find people who have flaws. That's that's. I've had people say, I'm not going to that church. There's hypocrites there. My response has always been, that's like saying, I'm not going to the hospital. There are sick people there. Where do you think sick people belong? And where do the spiritually sick belong? Now, that doesn't justify their hypocrisy. But sometimes what people call hypocrisy is really just people who have flaws and they're trying to do their best. But you happen to catch them at a weak moment. And you define them by that weakness. I'm I'm talking to somebody here tonight. You end up defining them by that weakness and then classify them as a hypocrite because they've got a weakness. Okay, that's another lesson for another day. and I got it i got to get to what's in my notes. All right. So, So in our last lesson, we went through the seven churches and talked about the things that needed to be corrected in those churches. In Ephesus, they had a relationship problem. They were going through the motions, but they didn't love God. It wasn't because they loved Him. They were just doing it. In Smyrna, the Lord let them know it's going to take tribulation, crushing, bruising for you to be saved. You've got some things in you that need to be crushed. But by crushing you, you're going to produce a sweet, smelling savor. And you're going to make it. You're going to be saved. But it's going to take crushing. In Pergamos, In Pergamos, they tolerated offenses to their brethren. They didn't care who they hurt. They didn't care who they destroyed. And the Bible's very clear that we are not to offend our brother. In fact, if it's a new convert, Jesus said it'd be better for you to tie a millstone around your neck and jump in the sea. Now, I know some people apply that to children in general, but you go back and read... The context. And he says, unless you become converted and become as one of these. And from that point, he starts talking about converts. And that's when he says, if somebody offends one of these, and the subject there is converts, it's better that a millstone were tied about their neck and they're cast into the sea. The Lord is very adamant that we need to be careful. We don't need to have this cavalier attitude. Well, I don't care what they think. You need to. Well, if they can't handle it, that's their problem. No, it's your problem too because we are part of a body. And we have an obligation to one another. And rather than sticking our nose in the air somebody misses church, rather than say, well, they ought to be here. Well, yes, they ought to. But maybe a little bit of love and compassion from their brothers and sisters might encourage them to come. Kind of sneaking all this in on you here. Pergamos tolerated offenses to the brethren, but they also tolerated the teachings of licentious grace. Which is the most prevalent teaching among Christian Christian denominations today. It is this idea that grace covers everything and anything. You just live like you want to. God's grace is unmerited. God's just going to save you anyhow. I've told the story of a man who said to me, if I, if I get drunk, go commit adultery, and die in a car wreck, right afterwards, I'm still going to heaven. That's licentious grace. That's not biblical. The Bible doesn't teach that. Now, God's not looking for ways to send us to hell. But neither does he just overlook blatant sin. Well, praise God. Grace, as I pointed out to you in the last lesson, is not a license to live as you please. It's the strength to live as God pleases. Thyatira possessed the spirit of Jezebel. Here are the things that we pointed out about Jezebel. Number one, she loved the world. I'm not talking about the same kind of love God has for the world. I'm talking about she loved the world for what she could get out of it. She wanted to be as much like the world as she could. And that's a dangerous thing for the church. Don't ever forget, it's a New Testament. All these people say, well, that's the Old Testament, that's the Old Testament. The New Testament says, without holiness, no man shall see the Lord. That's New Testament. That's Hebrews 12, 14 if you want to find it. And so holiness is still required. Separation is still required. Jezebel didn't want that. And Thyatira tolerated her spirit. The other thing about Jezebel is she hated the ministry. Jezebel was wanting to kill the prophets. Unless they were the prophets that told her what she wanted to hear. Now, she liked those prophets. But any prophet that's going to tell her the truth, she didn't like. And she wanted them dead. That's the spirit of Jezebel. And Thyatira had the spirit of Jezebel. We've got to learn to hate the world and love the ministry. And I know this church does. And I appreciate it. In fact I was telling someone just the other day. I was bragging on this church. I was, I was stating to them. This church has developed such a love for the ministry. That I, I have no qualms about inviting a young man. Who's never even preached out of his home assembly. To come and preach. Because I know this church loves the ministry. And, and you understand. He may put Moses in the ark. And Noah at the burning bush. He may make some mistakes. He may pronounce some words wrong. But this church loves the ministry. And this church has a heart to watch ministers develop. And to make an investment in them. You know, when I think back, I was only 36 years old when I came here. That's really pretty young now when I look when I look at it, thirty-six is pretty young. All you single girls think if you turn 30, you're an old maid. Believe me, you're not old at thirty. You're still young, you're still young. Well, praise God. I didn't get any amens out of any of the young ladies. But it's the truth anyhow. (laughs) Praise God. So, the next was Sardis. And Sardis had a living name but a dead face. So artists didn't see themselves the way God saw them. And God had to set their perspective straight. He had to show them what was right. We understand that faith without works is dead. We're going to talk more about that in just a moment. But you got to have works. Works don't save us. We're not saved by our works. But the Bible does say we're justified by our works. That is scripture. Read the book of James. We are justified by our works. Rahab was a harlot, but she turned her works around. And God saved her. Abraham was living among polytheists, people who believed in more than one God. But he stepped out in faith and changed his life, and God honored that and justified him by His works. That's what James said. Philadelphia, there was no correction necessary. That's where I want to be. That's what I want our church to be. I want us to be a Philadelphia church. In Laodicea, there was no commendation, only correction. They were lukewarm. They were just mediocre. And saints of God, let me tell you, I think that's one of the most dangerous attitudes in the end time. I've got to hurry. Because I really do want to finish this. I haven't even got to the new part yet of this study. We'll go through that quickly, I promise you. But I want to say this, saints, let's get beyond mediocrity. When we come in for pre-service prayer, let's not be content with a mediocre prayer meeting. When the song service is going on, let's not be content with mediocre worship. You do understand that this this term lukewarm, the Lord said, I would rather you be hot or cold, and the word hot is zestos. He wants you boiling. Is our pre-service prayer boiling? Is our worship boiling? Or is it just room temperature? Do you know what you know what room temperature is usually a sign of that something's dead well you your heart stops beating and it doesn't take long before you just assume room temperature i don't want to just be room temperature This is why someone wisely said we've got to learn to be a thermostat and not a thermometer. You know the difference? Now, most thermostats have a thermometer on them. But if the thermometer is the only thing that's working, it doesn't do much good. Because a thermometer just tells you what the temperature is. A thermostat sets the temperature, controls the temperature. And as the children of God, we shouldn't just walk in and say, well, it doesn't feel very good in here tonight. Well, Holy Ghost not moving tonight. Okay. Brother thermometer, thank you for the report. But how about becoming a thermostat and turning up the heat a little bit? How about building a fire? Oh, somebody hear me tonight. How about getting some flame going in here rather than just reporting, well, I don't feel it, I don't feel it. Okay. Well, then create something you do feel. I'm not talking about faking it. I'm talking about praying and worshiping and seeking God and feeling after God until you do feel it. That's not fake if you're doing it God's way. All right. So let's go on. Let's talk about those are the things we have to avoid. Let's talk about the things that we need to strive for. Or the things for which we need to strive. Let me keep this grammatically correct. Let's talk about the commendations, the things we must attain. First of all, the church of Ephesus. What we saw when we studied Ephesus was that these were committed workers, patient laborers who recognized, refused, and rejected false prophets and false doctrines. They bore reproach. They bore their cross. They bore each other's burdens. They bore everything they encountered. That's what God said about them. These were the positive things. First Timothy chapter six verse twenty. This is what we've got to do as a church. First Timothy six and twenty.
1: O Timothy, keep that which is committed to thy trust, avoiding profane and vain babblings and oppositions of science falsely so called. O Timothy,
0: keep that which is committed. Hold on to it, church. When we we reach a place spiritually, don't let it slip between your fingers. Don't let us lose ground spiritually. Hold on to what you get. 2 Timothy 1, verses 13 and 14.
1: Hold fast the form of sound words. Hold
0: fast. Everyone say hold hold fast. Hold fast that form of sound words.
1: Which thou hast heard of me. In faith and love which is in Christ Jesus. Uh Uh-huh. That good thing which was committed unto thee, keep thy... Keep. Keep. Everyone say keep. By the Holy Ghost which dwelleth in us. I'm
0: telling you, Paul was telling Timothy, hold on to what you've got. Keep what you've got a hold
1: of. Well, hallelujah. 2 Timothy 2 and 2. And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses... The same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also.
0: Now look at what he says here. He says, keep what's been committed to you. Hold on to what I've given you. Keep what I've committed to you. And then he says, and don't just keep it, but hand it off to somebody else. Pass it on. Commit it to others who are going to do the same thing. is what we've got to learn to do, church. We've got to be committed workers, committed to the cause, and committed to not only holding on to it, but propagating it. It's Not enough for us to make up our mind. I must be saved. I must be saved. Yes, we must. Yes, we must. But we must reach out to others as well. And we've got to do everything in our power to help everybody else we can help. Well, praise God. Now, I told you I'm going to do this quickly. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to take the next three churches, read to you the positives, and then just kind of sum it up into two principles for all three churches, all right? I told you I'm going to... to I really am trying. I am trying. So Smyrna, what the Lord said positive about Smyrna was that they were faithful workers who endured tribulation and they were spiritually rich even though they were physically poor. Now they were faithful workers who endured tribulation. they They didn't get hung up on financial things. They made it a point to be as spiritually rich as they could. Oh, that we could get that attitude. That we'd be more concerned about spiritual investments than we are earthly investments. Pergamos At Pergamos, the Lord said they were committed workers. Does that sound familiar? Smyrna was faithful workers. Pergamos was committed workers. In the midst of spiritual adversity, they were committed. And the Bible says they held to the Lord's name and refused to deny the faith. They were going through things, but they endured what they went through and held on to what they had. They were committed workers. In Thyatira, they were loving and patient workers, and they were faithful servants. So let me me give you two principles that sum up all three of these. First of all, we've got to learn to work. Being a part of the church is not just coming to church and singing, I saw the light, I saw the light. Well, I'm glad you did. I really am. I mean that. And I'm glad I did. But there's more to this than just us coming to church and filling a pew, there's so much more involved. Listen, I've said this over and over and over and over. If all God wanted to do, if the only purpose of salvation was to get you to heaven, then then He would have saved you and translated you at the same moment. If that's all He wanted, because then there's no chance of backsliding. Right? But don't you find it interesting that he saved you and left you here? Why did he leave you here? Because there's work to do. And if God just translated everybody that got saved, then how's anybody else going to hear In fact, not one of us would be sitting in this pew tonight if somebody, somewhere, had not talked to us or to a family member. None of us. If God just took everybody to heaven the instant that they were saved, none of us would even be here. It would have ended at Pentecost. But for for centuries now. For millennia now, God saved people and left them on earth because He's got a job for us to do.
1: Luke 19, 13. And He called His ten servants and delivered them ten pounds and said unto them, Occupy till I come.
0: Yeah, now again, we've taken that word and we've, we've put it in the 21st century. Mindset. Occupy. Okay, I'm occupying this pew. That's not what that word means. According to Barnes' notes on the New Testament, this Greek word translated occupy actually means to employ in business. Find a job. I mean, it applies physically, too. Paul did say, if a man doesn't work, neither should he eat. That that is Bible. That really is Bible. I actually had a quote-unquote Christian tell me one time they didn't like Paul. Because of those kinds of things. Um, I like Paul. In fact, I don't mind telling you, I like everybody who wrote the New Testament and everybody who wrote the Old Testament. Uh, I like what Paul said. Because what Paul wrote was really just the Holy Ghost speaking through him. So so if you don't like what Paul said, that means you don't like what God said. Now, I'm not going to talk about physical employment. though. The point here is we've got to be spiritually employed. We've got to be working in the kingdom of God. When he said, occupy till I come. He's saying, find something to do in the kingdom of God. Talking to a preacher and preacher's wife just recently, and they made a statement. They said, we have found through the years that when somebody becomes a part of a church, those who will get involved right away usually last the longest. But those who just flounder around trying to find a place, trying to find something not really ever committing, they never really feel apart, and they never really get much done. Now, I didn't say that, so don't get mad at me. I, I'm just telling you what somebody else said, All right? I'll throw them under the bus. They said it. So you can still love your pastor. I'm just repeating what someone said. But I am telling you that there there really ought to be something in us. We live in a society that is looking for what society can do for them. What can the church do for me? We have come such a long way, and I said this not too long ago. We've come such a long way from John Kennedy's speech. Ask not what your country can do for you, but ask what you can do for your country. Now that's about the best Bostonian accent I can do, so what he said. He said, Don't don't ask how we can help you, ask how you can help us. Well, I want to tell you that's especially true of the church, more so than the government. Rather than asking, what can the church give me, the attitude ought to be, what can I do for the church? Because this is God's kingdom. And I want to see God's kingdom go forward. I'm not just looking for a place where I can come and get a blessing once in a while. I'm looking to be a blessing. All right, I'm trying, I'm trying. We must work. The second thing is that I see out of all three of these churches is we must endure.
1: Matthew 10, 22. And ye shall be hated of all men for my name's sake. But he that endureth to the end shall be saved.
0: Oh, listen. Those who believe in once saved, always saved. They need to read this verse again. Because Jesus put a very definite condition on this. It's only those that endure that will be saved. Listen to me, saints of God. It's easy for the devil to get us discouraged. Well, I'm going through this. I'm going through that. I've got this problem. I've got that problem. I've got this going on. I just don't see how I can make it. Well, I want to tell you, somehow you've got to make up your mind that I don't care what's going on. I'm going to make it. Let me tell you, I saw one of the most moving sights this weekend that I think I have ever seen in my life, and that's saying something. Some of you may not know, those who went to the wedding, I think most of you are aware, just moments before the wedding began. In fact, the music was playing. Folks had already been seated. They brought in the family members They had started the song, the ministers were supposed to walk out, when this song started. But but one of the ladies in the church stepped into the office and said, I know this is a bad time, but this young man, whose parents attend the church, was just shot just about two blocks from the church. Pastor Burgess, of course, had to leave and see what was going on. And and unfortunately, the young man was killed. Just a couple of blocks from the church. You know, I told my wife, is interesting. The original plan is I was going to drive Brother Hilton and his new bride to that very gas station after the wedding. She was going to leave her car there it's one of the things we talked about. Her leaving her car there, and me just driving them to that gas station, and and letting her pick up her car had we, the, the whole thing was a crime scene. It it would have been a mess. But God spares. We changed our minds and went a different route long before that ever happened. We decided not to do that. But it's one of the things we discussed. But the Lord helped us in all that. But but anyhow, I said all that to say. So here is, this, this This was a backslider. His mom and dad in the church. He shot down in cold blood on Friday night. On Sunday night, there were sinners praying. And Bishop Johnson leaned over to me. Now, this was, we had a Holy Ghost blowout before they ever asked me to preach Sunday night. It started with a special song that was going on, and and people started coming to the front. Bishop Johnson leaned over to me, and he said, you see that woman right there that's praying with the sinner? That's the mother of the young man that was just killed. And right behind her, praying with that young man, that's the dad. cough. If anybody had a right and a reason to not even be at church that night. If anybody had a right and a reason to feel sorry for themselves, to sit in a pew and do nothing but weep and cry, a mom and dad whose backslid son was just murdered. Had that right. But Brother Nelson, they weren't sitting around feeling sorry for themselves. They were trying to help somebody else, they were trying to pray with somebody else. And so we come to church and we've got our little issues. But I don't think any of us have sat in church two nights after our own child was murdered and still just worshipped God and tried to pray with others. You'd think everybody would be around praying with them. You'd think folks would be gathering around them and they did but this couple they were determined we're going to help somebody else saints listen to me life is going to throw things your way things are going to happen life's not always pretty I wish I could promise you a bed of roses when you receive the Holy Ghost, but I can't. I'm going to tell you there's going to be plenty of thorns, Holy Ghost or no Holy Ghost. But what you've got to do is to make up your mind, I'm going to endure no matter what happens it would have been easy for them to get bitter at God. I don't know how many hours they prayed. I don't know how many days they fasted for their son. I don't know. But they weren't bitter towards God. I hope somebody's hearing me tonight. I'm telling you, we can make it if we want to make it. If we want to live for God, we can live for God. If we want to be saved, we can be saved. It doesn't matter what anybody says or what anybody does. We can make up our minds. I'm going to endure to the end. Well... All right, I got 10 minutes. We must endure. Sardis, the fifth of these seven churches. I really am nearly done. Sardis, the Bible says there were a few that kept their garments undefiled and were counted worthy. Now, we talked about this when we dealt with the church at Sardis. You may not remember this, but Jesus explained what being counted worthy means, because all of us say, well, I'm not worthy, I'm not worthy. And in that sense, no, none of us are. But Jesus gave certain qualifications by which he said certain people are counted worthy. You may not remember what those qualifications were, so let me read them for you. Matthew chapter 10, verses 11 through 15.
1: And into whatsoever whatsoever city or or town. let me have
0: Brother Goff read them for you. Just want to be accurate. Right. And
1: into whatsoever city or town ye shall enter, inquire who in it is worthy. And there abide till ye go thence. And when ye come into a house, salute it. And if the house be worthy, let your peace come upon it. And if it be not worthy, let your peace return to you. And whosoever shall and whosoever receive, shall not receive not you, shall
0: not receive you,
1: nor hear your, nor words. Hear
0: your words.
1: When you depart out of that house or city, shake off the dust of your feet. Uh Verily I say unto you, it shall be more tolerable for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah in the the day of judgment than than for that city. Now,
0: I don't know if you caught that or not. I don't know if you caught it or not. But here's what Jesus said. Wherever you go, find out who's worthy and salute that house. If they're not worthy, then leave. And then he explains what he means by this. Whoever shall not receive you or hear your words. So Jesus is using this term, they were counted worthy based on whether or not they received The messenger God sent them. If they listened to the words of the messenger God sent, then they were counted worthy. If they didn't, then they were not counted worthy. And Jesus said, it's going to be better for Sodom and Gomorrah on the day of judgment. Now, do you know why that is? Because Sodom and Gomorrah never had a preacher. Even when the angels came, they didn't come to preach to Sodom and Gomorrah. Sodom and Gomorrah never heard one sermon. Sodom and Gomorrah never felt one touch of God's spirit. Sodom and Gomorrah never attended one church service. They never had the opportunity. Now Jesus said it's going to be more tolerable in judgment day for them. Because they didn't reject an opportunity they had. But when people reject the opportunity. God sees that as worse than Sodom and Gomorrah. Boy, that's strong language. I'm supposed to be on the positive stuff. So, let's see if I can turn this around. We're talking about the things that we need to find the favor of God, to be the kind of church God wants us to be. And this is one of the things. We have an evangelist come through. Let's accept what he's got to say. We have a visiting preacher come through. He may be as unconventional as Joseph Savala. And that's, that's pretty unconventional, I'll tell you. But I love him. And he did a great job. And he helped this church. But he's totally unconventional. I've never in my life ever seen anybody like that. Just preaching along, doing a great job, and all of a sudden stop and carry on a conversation with somebody sitting in the pew. Never seen anything like that in my life. But it worked. And you know what? I want to receive it. Whoever the messenger, however unconventional... If God sends them our way, I want to hear it. I don't ever want to get to the place that I start getting skeptical of the preacher because it never stops. It's a slippery slope. But if we can have this attitude that if this is, listen, and I've said this so many times in Africa, why are they seeing revival? I believe a great part of it is whenever I meet someone for the first time, they don't call me pastor, they don't call me bishop, it's always man of God. Well, there's a big difference between a pastor and a man of God. Not every pastor is a man of God. Not every preacher is a man of God. Though they may claim to be, they're not. But the thing of it is, in Africa, they see you that way. And if they see you as a man of God, then when you speak, that becomes the word of God, not just the preacher's opinion. That's why I can get up and tell them, you've been doing this wrong all your life. You've been baptizing wrong all your life. You've been teaching the Godhead wrong all your life. And they accept it and embrace it. Because I'm not just a preacher to them. I'm a man of God. And I'm not giving them opinions. I'm giving them the word of God. And that's... What God's looking for in a church. And then in Philadelphia, Philadelphia, they were loving workers. Boy, you know, it seems like this term worker has come up in every one of these. We'll work till Jesus comes, we'll work. I don't hear that song much anymore. They were loving workers who kept God's word and would not deny his name. Matthew chapter 10. Musicians come, Matthew chapter 10, verses 32 and 33.
1: Whosoever therefore shall confess me before men, him will I confess also before my Father which is in heaven. But whosoever shall deny me before men, him will I also deny before my Father which is in heaven.
0: All right, so we've talked about being loving workers. We've talked about that. We've talked about keeping God's Word, discussed all that. The third thing was that they would not deny His name. And Jesus makes it clear, we've got to make sure we don't deny His name. Now, I'm just going to throw this out uh, free of charge here tonight. But if somebody refuses to baptize you in Jesus' name, that sounds like to me they're denying His name. They're denying the power that comes in that name when you're baptized using that name. But that's not the only way that we deny His name, of course. But we do have to be careful. Amen. That we confess Him before men. That's when He said He will confess us before the Father. Praise God. Amen. I want to confess His name. I want... To proclaim His name everywhere I go. Of course, at Laodicea, there were no commendations. There was nothing positive to share. So we've made it through the seven churches. The summary is simply this. The picture of a perfect church. These seven characteristics. Number one, the members will carefully guard their love for and relationship with Jesus Christ. Carefully, carefully guard their relationship with Him. Number two, they will be committed, loving, patient, faithful workers. Not just members, but workers. Number three, they will not tolerate false doctrines, false teachers, or false impressions of themselves. Number four, they will not tolerate abuses of their brother's feelings. Number five, they will not tolerate the spirit of the world. Number six, they'll strive for perfection in their works and in their witness. And number seven, they'll go above and beyond mediocrity in their godly appearance and their spiritual walk. Well, praise God. Maybe I need to put that list of seven together and share it. And let us keep it and work toward it. Let's stand tonight. Let's lift our hands to the Lord. Let's talk to Him together, everyone. Let's talk to the Lord right now. Let's talk to the Lord right now. Everybody, let's talk to the Lord. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. Why don't we gather around the front? If you want to kneel, you can kneel. If you want to stand, you can stand. But I think we ought to take a few moments tonight and just commit ourselves to the cause.